Well, good morning. We are coming back into our The Unstoppable Force series. This is part 11. We took a two-week break for Easter, and now we are jumping back in. It's our study in the book of Acts. This is The Unstoppable Force is us. We are the church, you and I. If you are a believer in Jesus, if you are a follower of Christ, a disciple of Christ, you are the church. We have Kennesaw Family Life Church. We are a group of believers coming together to form a group, what we call a church in our community to reach and meet needs in this community. But globally, we are the church, the unstoppable force. For more than 2,000 years, the enemy has tried to stop the church. He's done everything in his power to discredit, disarm, and stomp out what God is doing through us, through the believers. We are a continuing legacy that started in the book of Acts when, when the Holy Spirit was poured out, going all the way back there to today. We are that unstoppable force. And we've been doing this series because the world around us has changed. The way we do things needs to change. And we as disciples, as believers, need to be building relationships and doing what God called us to do. God didn't call us to start churches. We are the church. God didn't call us to start churches because we are the church. But he called us to make disciples. And us together as a disciple-making force can change the climate of our culture being thermostats. So that's what we want to talk about today. Last time we were in the Unstoppable Force series, we talked about Stephen, a man full of the Holy Spirit. We were talking about his story, and he had just been elected onto the group that was taking care of of widows. And then he was preaching the gospel in chapters 6 and 7, preaching the gospel, and signs and wonders were happening. God was doing great things, and the high priest came against him and asked him these questions and ended up stoning him to death. He was the first martyr of the Christian church. And all while they were stoning him, he's praying to God to forgive them. What an amazing story. And so we're going to pick up right after this, right after he's been stoned to death. In our last message, we reminded you that the enemy can't stop what God's doing. He's going to do everything he can to discourage us. He's going to do everything he can to slow us down, but he can't stop what God's doing. We are that unstoppable force because of the Holy Spirit living in us. And so I want to pick up right after this story in chapter 8 of Acts. I want to read the first four verses. It says, And Saul approved of his execution, talking about Stephen. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the region of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him, or they were sorrowful over him, mourning him. But Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house, and he dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. Now those who were scattered went about 
preaching the word of God. This act of violence against Stephen, this is, again, we talked about this at, the, at that moment, but it became a catalyst in the church. Most major events in history, most major events in our lives become catalysts for other things. And there were two different things that came out of this that God used to spread the gospel outside of, of Jerusalem. Up to this point in the story, the apostles and the believers were centered in Jerusalem. That's where they were. They hadn't really expanded. Remember, Jesus told them to go to Jerusalem and to wait for the outpouring of the Spirit. Remember in Acts chapter 1-8, just before Jesus had already died and rose again, and just before he ascended into heaven, he said, go and wait for the Holy Spirit. We talked about that. And then Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit was poured out, but they had centered everything around Jerusalem. And in Acts 1-8, he told them, you're going to preach the gospel to the ends of the earth. So they hadn't moved there yet, and, and God was growing them, and then all of a sudden they have their first real persecution. Now, Peter and John had been uh, thrown into prison, but then they came out and they rejoiced. It wasn't the same as Stephen being stoned, and there was great persecution happen. And you, this is the first time this, in the story enters a man named Saul. Saul was a Pharisee. In his own words, a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was... He was one of the elite. He was so devout. He was known as a zealot. Zealot is somebody that, man, they're just 100% sold out. He was all about the Jewish traditions. He was trying to be a Jew of Jews, trying to work so hard to please God. He was so devout in what he was doing. All about the rules. Very legalistic. And if you remember when Stephen was being stoned, it said that the men laid their garments at the feet of Saul. So Saul was somebody that respected. He gave a nod to this. It doesn't say he threw a stone. He might have. Could have. Probably did. Maybe. I don't know. But he gave his approval. And then it tells us in, in verse 3 that he went out dragging men and women out of their homes and throwing them into prison because they were followers of Jesus. And so this event was this catalyst. And the first point today, I, I named it fallout. Are you familiar with that term fallout? Uh, we get it from the nuclear strikes, we talk about that a lot, that if there was a nuclear explosion, there would be fallout. It would affect the area around it. Some of you guys remember Chernobyl when it, when it exploded in Russia and it, it just ravaged an entire area from the nuclear fallout. Well, that term fallout just means that there is an unintended effect that happens, or as the dictionary says, an unexpected or incidental effect or outcome. From them martyring Stephen, there was fallout from that that nobody expected. 
See, the, the, the high priests, the Pharisees, the leaders, they were thinking, man, we're going to stomp this out before it gains any momentum. We're just going to wipe them out. We're going to try and do this. And you got to remember that for some of them, they thought they were doing this to honor God because they felt like these men were, were going against God. They didn't realize who Jesus was and they didn't see what was happening. They couldn't, they were, they were blinded. The church had been experiencing growth, explosive growth. Like the first time Peter preached, 3,000 were added. And then after they were released from prison, he preached again and 5,000 more were added. That's a lot of people in a very short period of time. They, they, everywhere you looked in scripture at this point, it said that they had fellowship together and they were caring for one another's needs. It was almost this utopian environment. And then this bomb goes off. And Stephen is killed for preaching the gospel. Man full of the Holy Spirit. Fallout. I'm going to give you a couple examples and just give you, just give you an idea of how this cause and effect works. Think about it. Just over a year ago, we were first introduced to the idea of COVID. And if you remember the, the news and media, hey, we're going to shut everything down for two weeks, get this thing under control. If everybody will just stay in their homes for two weeks and isolate, we'll get this under control, we'll slow it down. They never said they'd wipe it out. Nobody ever said we could wipe it out. But there was fallout from what happened. Remember, it was quarantined for two weeks, then it went on. And here we are a year later, and we're still still feeling some of those effects and dealing with it. But what were some of the negative effects? Due to prolonged periods of time together at home, domestic violence went up. Drug and alcohol abuse went up. Depression has gone up. The suicide rate has gone up. These adverse effects from COVID and from the quarantine, there was a fallout that nobody expected. They thought, oh, we're trying to keep everybody safe, so we're going to isolate for a little while. But there was unintended effects, caused some restaurants and small businesses to, to shut down. And the government tried to step in, but they couldn't fix it for everybody. I've got personal friends that lost their businesses during this time. Political and personal division went through the roof over this past year, and COVID was a part of that. Man, it seemed like, depending on what political party you were involved in, depending on whether you liked masks or didn't like masks, it became more about politics than public safety. Racial divisions, political divisions, all of this fallout from this event. Now, some of those things were underlying things that were there before, that just made it explode. What were some of the positive effects? I'm going to say this, increased care for those that are in need. Man, communities came together to care for one another. We've talked about uh, my friend Andy King, who pastors High Point Church. We used his devotion during Easter. He started the Kennesaw Caremongering Group on Facebook to help people connect with needs in the area. So people started caring more about what was happening to the people around them. 
Uh, some people spent more time in nature. Man, for that first month, you couldn't find a parking spot at a state park. Because look, people didn't want to be stuck in their homes and they figured if I can get out in the woods, I'm not going to be around anybody. Nobody can freak out about that. So let's go hiking. Man, recreational vehicle sales went through the roof. People were getting outside and spending time with their families and doing things together as a family in ways that they, they hadn't been able to do before because they spent all their time either at work or at the sports fields or wherever that may be. And all of a sudden the world stopped for a minute and it caused a reset in some families. New job opportunities opened up. Man, think of businesses like Grubhub, Amazon, Uber Eats. All of those businesses took a bump up because people weren't going out, so now they're ordering in. And it caused some businesses to shift. It caused the church to shift the way it's thinking. The online church and the way we're doing things has had to shift. So there's been some positive effects. A renewed focus on cleaning. A renewed focus on, hey, you go to the bathroom, wash your hands. So the fallout has both negative and positive effects. Some of you remember... 9-11-2001. I remember that day very clearly. I remember what I was doing when I first heard on the radio that a plane had crashed into the tower. I was driving to the church that Jennifer and I were youth pastors at. I was on my way. Jennifer was at home. And I remember hearing it. And by the time I got to the church, the pastor is sitting in his office with this little tiny black and white before flat screen TV, his little tiny TV on his desk. And we watched together the second plane hit. And I remember that surreal feeling. But here's where I was going with this. How many of you remember flying before 9-11? There was no security lines. You just went in, got on the plane, flew where you were going. Now, security lines are just a part of flying. You know, hey, I've got to get here two hours beforehand to get through security so that I can go where I'm going to go. You don't think twice about it. But for those of us that remember that, so there's all these significant events have fallout. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's bad. There's both negative and positive effects. Well, this event in history was like an atomic bomb going off in the church in a way said that the believers scattered, except for the apostles, they stayed in Jerusalem to manage things there. But the rest of the believers scattered because Saul was coming and hunting them down home by home, dragging out both men and women. And in that culture, to drag out both men and women was big because it was a very male-centric culture. So that was a huge deal. So what was the fallout from this? Well, I'll, I'll talk about the negative. It said a great persecution rose against the church. If you look at verse 3, it said, But Saul was ravaging the church, entering house after house, and he dragged men and women and committed them to prison. Could you imagine being put in prison because you're a believer in Jesus? It happens all over the world. 
We in America have enjoyed relative freedom, especially religious freedom. It's one of the things our country was founded on. That can change at any moment. Positive effect. If you look at verse four, now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. They didn't scatter and go hide in holes. They scattered and took the gospel wherever they went. Remember, we are the church. So wherever a believer goes, there's a church. And it was a natural part of their lives because their relationship with God was a part of them. It was part of who they are. And so when they went out into these new communities and started to figure out where they've got to buy food and where they're going to live, they shared their story of what God was doing and the Holy Spirit was poured out upon them and the church began to spread. So Satan's trying to stamp it out. Man, we made a huge blow against Stephen and, and now surely those believers, surely the way is what it was called at that time. Surely now they're going to stop preaching the gospel, but instead... It had this ripple effect, this fallout that exploded into other areas. Just like the outpouring of the Holy Spirit was a catalyst for the birth of the church, I believe the stoning of Stephen was a catalyst for the expanding of the church. I think it would have happened anyway, but it, it put it into overdrive. And it, it goes, so this, this leaves us with one question. How did the believers respond in such a way? And what can we learn from this? Why did the believers, instead of cowering in fear or renouncing Christ or any of those things, why did they choose to expand and preach the gospel more? Well, I entitled the second point today, Prepped. Because it was kind of the military term. If you remember and you've seen these stores, there's all these prepper stores out there because they think the world's going to end. And I mean, we're, we're heading towards some things, but I'm not going to get all conspiracy theory or anything out there. The Bible's pretty clear in Revelation that there is going to be a time that, that everything changes. But prep to these prepper stores, you can go in there and buy all this military surplus to build your bomb shelters, to have all this food in case, you know, there's this nuclear war. So you have food and you can survive or all that kind of stuff. Or basically, if you've lived in an area like Florida and there's hurricanes, you prep for those hurricanes. That's why when we know a bad storm's coming or here in Atlanta, if they say there's going to be a snowflake sometime in 2021, we're going to go buy all the bread and milk or with COVID, which is still the strangest thing to me, all the toilet paper in the world disappeared as soon as COVID was mentioned. I don't understand that. That was one that was baffling. I at least get the bread and milk for a storm, but toilet paper was just weird. Anyway, prepped, you get things ready. So this goes all the way back to Acts chapter two. They were connected to God in this real power. They were prepped because they were connected to the source. Remember in Acts 1, we talked about this. It said that, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you so that you will be able to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. They were prepared because God prepared them through filling them with the Holy Spirit. As believers, we have the Holy Spirit in our lives. 
And then remember I said there's a baptism of the Holy Spirit where God gives us that extra boost, that extra power where he does supernatural things in and through us. And they were connected to God in a real way. They were prepared by having the Holy Spirit in their lives. They didn't have to figure this out on their own. The Holy Spirit was leading and guiding them. So when Jesus gave the command, he told them that the Holy Spirit would give them power to preach the good news. And then if you look in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, it says, the people devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. So now they have the Holy Spirit and they're devoting themselves to learning the word of God, to fellowship, to being together, to breaking bread together, and to prayer. And when you read on in this, in verse 43, it says, And an awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all, the, all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in homes, they received the food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor for all the people. And the Lord added to their number day after day. The reason I read that scripture again is because, one, they had broke ties with this world. They were selling possessions to give money to the needy. There was nothing holding them back. So when this day happened, it was easy for them to pick up and move on. It was easy for them because they were connected to the Holy Spirit. They knew what God's word said. They knew that God would not leave them nor forsake them. They had God on their side and the Holy Spirit in them. They were the church. That's why when these natural disasters happen, when these major events happen, when we're connected to God and we're prepped in our spirit, we know we can handle whatever God has for us. Whatever comes, whether it's from God or whether it's just a part of this world or it's an attack of the enemy, we're prepared. Some of you are familiar with the ministry Convoy of Hope. Convoy of Hope was started by two brothers, the Donaldson brothers, several years ago through the Assemblies of God. But it is a worldwide disaster relief effort. They originally started, and they still do these, doing block party type events in communities, bringing all the churches together and meeting needs in the community. That's why they call it Convoy of Hope. They bring semi-trucks, get doctors, and do those events. Not that different than what we do when we do to our food pantries, but on a bigger scale. Convoy of Hope, even in Noonan, in the past couple weeks when the tornadoes came through, Convoy of Hope was one of the first ones there because they're prepared to go in and help. They make preparations. So the believers, they were prepared because they had the power of the Holy Spirit in their lives. They were connected to the word of God. They were connected to each other. And so when all hell broke loose, pardon the phrase, if it bothers you, I'm sorry. But when everything went crazy, they knew exactly what to do. I won't say exactly what to do. They knew who to follow and they knew who to go to. And that was Jesus. They scattered. It looks like they were running. But this was God's plan all along for them to share the gospel throughout the world. So they didn't run like dogs with their tail between their legs. They went out and shared the gospel. They had the Holy Spirit in their lives. So 
I want to challenge you to be ready because there are going to be events in your life at least every decade there's going to be events like covid or like 9/11 you're going to deal with these things in your life or even in your daily life whether it's natural disasters losing a job losing a loved one whatever that may be when we are connected to god through the holy spirit when we are digging deep into his word on a regular basis i would say a daily basis if you're doing it well Try and do it as often as you can. If we are connected to God that way, when this happens, and the dust settles, we're not just standing around going, what do I do? We have the Holy Spirit in us. We have the Word of God to guide us. And we have the body of Christ believers to help us through. Because we're not alone. And yeah, bad things are going to happen. Difficulty is going to come. The enemy is going to come against us. Try and wipe us out. Slow us down. Do everything he can. But we have to be ready. I read this last time and I'm going to read it again. I want to dig into it a little bit deeper. But I want you to turn over to Ephesians chapter 6. Because this is all about being ready. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 18. If you've been in church for a long time, you know it as the passage about the armor of God. If you haven't, this is a great verse, a great passage to highlight, to put somewhere, to remind us to be prepared for whatever God has for us and for whatever the world's going to throw at us. But look at verse 10 out of Ephesians 6. It says in a final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. Remember, when Paul wrote this, the Roman government was huge. And so armor and the way they did military was a big deal. And the Romans had a very distinct way that they dressed. And so Paul related it to something that they knew. So if you, I want you to envision Roman armor as you're hearing this. It says, we, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. The person that cut you off on the road, the person that treated you poorly in line, the person that said things to you that were demeaning or degrading, they're really not your enemies. What they say and do hurts or frustrates you, but they are not your enemies. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. It's a spiritual battle. The enemy is going to use even good people to say or do things that hurt us or distract us. He'll use anything he can to pull us out. He'll get us so busy that we lose sight of having a relationship with God. So Paul says, therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you'll be standing firm. Remember, he didn't say that it's not going to be a battle. It's going to be a battle. It's going to be hurt. There are going to be wounded. There are going to be those that are taken out. But when we have the armor of God in our lives, we will be standing firm. The enemy can do anything to us. 
but he can't take our relationship with God away. We are firm in that. He could even take our lives. Oh man, now I'm in heaven with Jesus. That was terrible. Now I don't look to die, but I know where I'm going to be. So look, stand your ground, put it on the belt of truth. Knowing the truth of the gospel holds everything together. The body armor of God's righteousness or the breastplate of God's righteousness. To know that what you're doing is right before God. You know that you're standing firm on the word of God, that you are fighting the right fight, that you're not fighting against people, but against the evil that the enemy is trying to throw against us. He's trying to wipe out this world and take as many people to hell with him as possible. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you'll be fully prepared. So that as we go out, we're going out in peace. We're going out in love. We're sharing with and building relationships with people because we love and care about people. And yes, you need to be building relationships with people that aren't Christians so that you have an opportunity to pour into their life. But you have to be prepared before you do that. Because if you're not, they can influence you and pull you away just as if you're trying to influence them. So you have to be ready. But we go out with our feet and shoes that bring peace. In addition to all these, hold up your shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. The, anim- the enemy's going to shoot at us. He's going to fire at us in our faith and our belief in Jesus and knowing that he's in us. We'll take the brunt of those arrows to stop them. Put on the helmet of your salvation. In your minds, remember that you are Christ, that you are his, that your salvation is assured. The enemy can't take it away. And take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Know the word of God, because when you know the word of God, you can rightly divide what is true and what is not. So the more you study the word of God, the more you put it in your heart. That's why we've been having everybody remember different verses every week because the word of God cuts through whatever the enemy is going to do. We know it's true. We know it's right. And through the Holy Spirit, he helps remind us and we can use that against the enemy that we can cut apart those things. And I always add verse 18, pray in the spirit at all times on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. This is all about being ready, preparing our hearts and our lives for whatever comes. There is going to be joy in this life. There are going to be good things in this life, but there are going to be things that come from time to time, just like COVID, just like natural disasters. All of those things are going to continue to come. The enemy is going to continue to attack us and attack us and attack us to try and pull us away from God or to distract us from reaching out to others, to keep us off our game. But here's the thing. The church is going to rise up. The beauty of COVID for the church, and I use beauty in the 
not in a sense to say COVID was wonderful, but what it's forced us to do as a church is to think differently about how we are going to reach people. Look, I would desire for all of you to be in person because I think the relationship building is important. That is my desire. And you have to pray and allow God to lead you in that. But my desire is to have everybody here in person. But every person that gets an opportunity to hear the message is an opportunity to know God. And I thank you for being a part of our church. That's why we encourage you to get involved with the chat so that we can build community together so that we can help each other out. I know that some of you that are, that are online only because of some physical needs, there are people in this church that have surrounded you and helped you. That's what the body of Christ is about. We celebrate that. But you are not alone. And as much as COVID has been a negative, there have been positives that have come out of it. And each one of us, if you get nothing else out of today, I want you to get this. One, you are the church, the unstoppable force. When you have a relationship and you surrender your life to God and you have a relationship with him and you say, Jesus, I need you to be Lord of my life. I know I'm not doing everything right, but I need you in my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. You have that relationship with him. No, you're not perfect. No, you don't all of a sudden stop sinning perfectly. It's not about perfection. It's about relationship with God. You become a part of the church. That next step is that you learn and grow and take advantage of every opportunity you can. We have a small group in a few hours. We're a couple weeks into it. Join into the small group. It helps us to grow together and to grow closer to God. Stay involved in what happens on Sundays. Get involved, as you heard, with Alan and Jane Kunkel on the prayer time from 4.30 to 5. Even if you're just listening and you can't interact, you're a part of that prayer time. It's growing together. It's putting on the armor of God so that no matter what happens in our lives, we know that we're prepared. Are you prepared? The church is going to grow. Experts will tell you that less and less people are going to church. And that is true for those that just showed up at church but had no real relationship. It was just a part of what they did. Yeah, now they're not coming to church anymore. But those that are truly in relationship with God, that continues to grow. The enemy can't stop us. We are that unstoppable force. And if you and I, as disciples, will become disciple makers, not just disciples, but disciple makers, and be intentional about relationships and be intentional about all the activities that we do, our jobs, and all of those things that we live for God in all areas of our lives, we're naturally going to disciple other people. And we're going to see the church grow.
That's our job. It's not my job as a pastor. My job as a pastor, and you can read it in Ephesians, my job is to equip you, to give you the tools to be disciple makers. That's why we do this on Sundays. That's why we join together, because as a force together, we're unstoppable. We have the power of the Holy Spirit in us. So one, do you have a relationship with God today? Two, are you prepared? Are you digging in? Are you putting on the armor of God? Are you putting the word of God deep in your heart? Are you allowing the Holy Spirit to lead and guide you? Let me pray over you today. Father, we thank you We thank you that in the midst of major tragedies, in the midst of global pandemics, in the midst of all those things, that you have not changed, that your love for us is still powerful. The Lord, no matter what the enemy throws at us, no matter what's going on in this world, that we have you. And Lord, I pray that if anyone listening to this does not have that solid relationship with you, Lord, I pray that you would help those barriers to break down, that you would help them to surrender their lives completely to you today. And Father, just fill them with your Holy Spirit. And Lord, where we don't have the strength, we need your help. Your word tells us where we're weak, you're strong. There's not a single person on this planet that can't have relationship with you. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to grow in our relationship, that you would put that armor on us and all that it represents, peace, truth, righteousness, faith, your word, Lord, that all of that would cover us so that no matter what happens in this life, we have you. We will stand firm. And Lord, help us as disciple makers to go out and build those relationships. That we would pray over those relationships. That the people that we meet, that we would come in contact with, that we would write down their names And that we would pray over them, that God would give us opportunities to share your love with them. And Lord, I pray that as the unstoppable force, that we would do our part. That you would fill us with your Holy Spirit and help us to grow. And Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to worship together today. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. I love you guys. Take advantage of all that's around you. Let's be prepared for whatever God has for us. I'm proud of you, and we'll see you next time.